Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. You know, I, I really, really, um, really want to move a little faster in this uh, book of Matthew, but it's kind of seeming like we're, it's the rapture is going to come <laughs> before we get to the end of this. But is that okay? I mean, I guess that's okay, uh, you know, that we would be studying the book of Matthew when Jesus comes back, and, and that's okay, but... Um, I just, you know, I'll get there and I say, okay, I'm going to do a big giant section. I'm going to go really fast. And then I start looking at it and going, wow, there's like so much here. And I, I, I just don't want to race, race through it. So uh, we started talking last week. And let's read those verses again, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. He called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And these twelve Jesus sent out. These 12 Jesus sent out. We saw last time in chapter 9 where, you know, he challenged them to pray for the harvest and then he sent them out. He sent them out to fulfill the actual prayer that they were supposed to be praying. And then we see here these different people, these different names, and that's what I want to look at this morning, the different characters, these different people that, that Jesus chose. It's kind of a radical list of names, and, you know, we could take another piece of paper and put all of our names down on this piece of paper and go, these are the ones that Jesus chose to do such and such, whatever he's called each one of us to do. We saw that the number one calling is what? To be with him. It says there he called his 12 disciples to him, to himself, that they might be with him, Mark says, and that he might send them out. This idea that our first calling is, is always, always, always to Him, to Jesus. Our first calling. It's not doing this or doing that or serving this way or serving that way. Our first calling is always to Jesus Himself. That's what He desires more than anything else. The people took note that Peter and John had been with Jesus. They saw the courage. They saw they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that these had been with Jesus. Jesus gave them authority, in verse 1, to heal, to drive out evil spirits. He empowered them to do what He called them to do, and He always will do that. He'll give you what you need. If He calls you to do something, He'll give you what you need. I've seen it over and over and over in my life and other people's lives. So, now let's get to these people's names, these these group of men. And God doesn't just call men, He calls men and women, but this particular group was a group of 12, a group of 12 men. And, and uh, what do we know about these people? What do we know about these guys? Some of them we know a lot more, some we know very little. What a very different group, as I've been looking at it, a very different group. We could actually take a week and look at each one of them, although some of them we'd, have, we'd be hard-pressed to find some actual information. 
we could go to a lot of traditions, and there's a lot of traditions written about a lot of these people. But what I want to say before we even get to these is, is that what, when you do start to look at this and think about this, what you find is that people have gone way too far in the sense they began to venerate, they began to worship, and then they began to pray to these particular people, right? Is that true? I'm not making this up. They, they went beyond what the Bible says. And, and the more that you look at who these people are, and the more you see what Jesus did when the, in the lives of these people, the more that you can see how absurd that is to worship people. To, you know, you're going to say your prayers to Saint so-and-so because whatever. When you, you know, a side note, when you look at what, what the Bible talks about being a saint, a saint is someone who's called, called and set apart. Someone who is set apart to be holy. And the truth of the matter is that we are all called to be saints. We are all called to be set apart and holy for Jesus. Worship does not go to a man, but to Christ alone. So first we look at this guy, Simon Peter. And, and we're probably the most familiar with Simon Peter, right? He gets an awful lot of airplay. You know, his preaching, he, he kind of brings a lot of it on himself. His ministry, his personality. You know, he's the guy that walked on water. You know about these stories. We'll look at a bunch of these when we go through uh, Matthew. He's always the first in the list. He was the guy who denied and was restored. He's always the first in the list. He's part of this inner inner circle, the closer group of Peter, James, and John, who were, were with Jesus in many different occasions. He was a fisherman. He was married. What? That breaks against some of the things that, you know, we've been told, but whatever. Peter was married. Peter, Peter was very impetuous. He had a, uh, as I said last week, someone said he has a foot-shaped mouth. And he had a tendency to speak and think later. He was very impulsive, but he was a man of contrast. There's a lot of stuff. And, and again, as we go through, we'll look at him in more detail because there's a lot more written about him. But in Matthew chapter 16, it says, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This incredible confession about who Jesus is. Six, verse late, six verses later, it says that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. That's kind of a contrast, wouldn't you think? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are God. You are God. You are the Messiah. You are Lord. And then how many minutes later he's, he's taking the Lord aside to rebuke him? We got, a, we got a little bit, you know, a little bit mixed up here. Jesus took Peter whose real name was Simon, it says that he changed his name to Peter, which the word means rock. And, and I think it's, it's a, a, a picture of the fact that Jesus can do incredible things with human lives, with us, with you and with me. One commentator said that he was transformed from a rather unstable person to a faithful, dependable witness. Incredible. He had such enthusiasm. He had such boldness. You look at his life in the book of Acts after the, 
the, the Holy Spirit came and the church was empowered. And you see what Peter was able, you know, God was able to use Peter in incredible ways. But then we have the letters that he left behind. First and second Peter, of course. They believe that the gospel of Mark was uh, pretty much Mark repeating a lot of the things that he heard Peter say. He was a companion of Mark. Uh, uh, Mark was a companion of Peter, excuse me. And so he traveled with him. And, and so Mark kind of put down, you know, what he heard. And, 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 and so it was heavily influenced by the teaching and by the life of Peter. Peter was used in the opening of the door of the Gentiles for you and me, Peter. This guy who, who would ever pick him? He served many years, and then he was crucified for his faith. In the, in the, uh, the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, which is kind of like the uh, classic on, on the, the persecution of the church beginning at the very beginning, uh, he says that Jerome said that, that Peter was crucified, his head being down, and his feet upward, himself so requiring, because he was, he said, unworthy to be crucified after the same form and manner as the Lord was. That's Peter. He gave his life, and he said, I'm not going to be crucified in the same fashion. I don't deserve to be. The second one in this list is Simon. Excuse me, is Andrew. says that his brother Andrew... Andrew is Simon Peter's brother, and he was also a fisherman. We find that he was uh, believed to be in a, a disciple of John the Baptist, and he was introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist. So he's got that connection way back from the beginning. But it says then after that, that as soon as that happened, it says that he brought his, his uh, brother Simon Peter to Jesus. So Andrew actually knew Jesus before Simon Peter did. Simon Peter's listed first. Simon Peter's known much more than Andrew is. But it says in John chapter 1 that the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Simon Peter and he said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas or Peter. Andrew. How much do we know about Andrew? Not that much. We know a lot about Peter. Afterwards, it seems that Andrew kind of lived in the shadow of his brother. He was probably known, even though he was the first one to meet Jesus, and he brought Peter to Jesus, he was probably known as Peter's brother. He lived with Peter and their mother. But someone said this, that he was a man who had the courage of his convictions. And he was eager and enthusiastic to have others share what he had come to know. And he was always bringing others into touch with his master. Practical, ready and willing to do any needed task. He did not possess the native ability and aggressive leadership of his brother Peter. But it says he was content to play a lesser role. It was okay with him. He wasn't jealous of Peter. He wasn't you know, worried about it. He was a true fisher of men, Andrew. Fox, Fox says that 
He preached the gospel to many Asiatic nations, but on his arrival at Edessa, he was taken and crucified on a cross, the two ends which were fixed transversely on the ground, hence the derivation of the term St. Andrew's Cross. And some others say that he hung there for three days before he died, continuing to tell people who saw him about Jesus. Two more brothers. Look at the next ones in the list there. We see Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and then we see two more brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Something about brothers, work, you know, that, that the Lord had these brothers working together and, and uh, calling them together. These brothers were also fishermen. Jesus saw them. He, it says he saw these two brothers in a boat preparing their nets. He says without delay, he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus called these two. You know what he called these two? The sons of thunder. The sons of thunder. Why? Because of their, their personalities? We don't really know. At one point in time, they, got, they went to Jesus. They, they didn't like something that had happened. And it says they asked Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Maybe it was their personality. The sons of thunder. I kind of like that in a way. The sons of thunder. James and John. These were the two guys that, you know, they came to Jesus at one point in time. We don't have time to turn to all these passages in Mark, chapter 10 of Mark. It says that, you know, they went to Jesus and they said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus said, Okay. Well, what do you want? And they said, Let one of us sit on your right hand, the other sit at your, on your left in your glory. And, and Jesus said to them, you don't, you don't know what you're asking. He said, Can you drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they... They said, we can, and Jesus said, you will. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptized baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. We see in the lives of these two, they certainly did drink the cup. James, son of Zebedee, one of the inner three, Peter, James, and John, again, spent so much time with them. Not much is known about him, though. Again, we know a lot about Simon Peter. We don't know much about Andrew. We know a little less about James. The most important thing, the only thing that we do know is that he was the first apostle killed. After, Simon, excuse me, after Stephen was martyred in Acts chapter 7, James is the next one to be martyred for his faith. Because he believed, because he trusted in Jesus, he was the only one of the twelve whose martyrdom is actually written in the New Testament. The rest we know from different sources. But he is, his name is known in the New Testament. That's all we know about him. One writer wrote this, and this is in Fox's Book of Martyrs as well, that this man by the name of Clemens Alexandrinus, Alexandrinus said that as James was led to the place of martyrdom, his accuser was brought to repent of his conduct by the apostles' extraordinary courage and undauntedness, and he fell down. The one who had accused him of being a Christian, who, who uh, was there at the time that he was being led to his, his martyrdom, it says he fell down at his feet 
to request his pardon, professing himself a Christian and resolving that James should not receive the crown of martyrdom alone. Hence, they were both beheaded at the same time. His witness carried on. He did drink the cup, as Jesus said. His brother John, we know a little bit more about John. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. At least that's what John wrote about himself. That's where that's found in the book of John, who wrote, was written by John himself. So he says, you know, he says that some, it appears that some were certainly closer to Jesus than others at, at certain times. And, and Jesus, you know, had these three would do, spe, you know, special things with or whatever. But, you know, it, we can't all be the same. We can't, we're all different. And that's, I think, what I see as I go through these names that were, every one of them was very different. But John, he did have that place at the table. And they didn't sit in chairs at tables like, you know, you and I do. But they had like very low tables on the ground. And they would sort of recline on pillows. And so, you, you know, you, you had these people and their legs would be out like this. And you'd be around like that. And so Jesus, you know, was, was here. And John was like in this place. So John could actually, if he leaned back, his head would lean onto the, the chest of Jesus. That's why, you know, you, you read about that in, in the, the New Testament. He was right there. He was the closest one. He could lean right back and, and Jesus onto the chest of Jesus. He's called the apostle of love. It's possible some perhaps think that he was a cousin of Jesus on Mary's side, perhaps. He's the one at the, at the crucifixion where, you know, he takes Mary in after Jesus' death. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. And, and someone wrote this in the, in the Zonder, Zondervan uh, Encyclopedia about him. And I, this is really important. He says that he was a vigorous champion of orthodoxy. A vigorous champion of orthodoxy that, that seen in his writings, he has this very high Christology, meaning uh, his view of who Jesus is, and he writes about it. And you, when you read the Gospel of John, and you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and even in Revelation, you see that, that Jesus is lifted up incredibly. He has this, this very you know, strong teaching, the doctrine about who Jesus is, the God the Son, the Son of God. You can see it when you read in these books that he wrote. They believe that he was the last to remain on earth, that he died a, uh, uh, a normal death, if, if that is true. He was a very strong leader in the church. In Galatians 2, it says he was one of the pillars of the church after Peter. But there is a, tr a church tradition that says this, that when John was a very old man in, in the city of Ephesus, that he had to be carried to the church in the arms of his disciples. It says that at these meetings, he was accustomed to say no more than little children love one another. And after a time, the disciples wearied at always hearing the same words. And they asked him, Master, why do you always say this? And he, he would say to them, it is the Lord's command. And if this alone be done, it is enough. The apostle of love, little children love one another. He was involved in many, many churches. From Ephesus, uh, Fox says that he was ordered to be sent to Rome where uh, it's affirmed that he was cast into a cauldron of boiling oil. 
but he escaped by miracle without injury. After that, he was banished to the Isle of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. Then he was recalled back from there, and he was the only apostle who escaped a violent death. Again, some of this is tradition and, and different writers that, that gathered these things. We don't know exactly how true some of this is, but, but that's what they believe. Look at the next one on the list here. We, we've seen four already. Philip and Bartholomew, these two. Philip was called by Jesus. He found Philip and he, and he said to him simply, follow me. That's the only words that he said to Philip, follow me. And he started to follow him. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him about Jesus. The only other thing we know about Philip, well, there's a couple things we know about Philip, is, is that uh, when there was this big crowd of people, and, and it says that Jesus said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And, and, and it says in the Gospel of John that he asked Philip this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus knew he was going to multiply the, the, the loaves and the fish, right? But he wanted to, he had this, this thing with, with Philip, and he, and, he, and he asked him the question to test him, to see what was in his heart and in his mind. And Philip answered, I'm not sure if he passed this test or not. He answered this, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Ooh. Full of faith, that Philip. Later on, in John chapter 12, it says there were some Greeks who went up to worship at the feast. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, with a request. And they said to Philip, they said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew. And Andrew and Philip then went and told Jesus. There's some people who want to see you. That's kind of good, isn't it? Pointing to Jesus. In John chapter 14, Philip said these words, Lord, he said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Challenged. Challenge to Philip, don't you know me? Don't you know me? I've, I, I've been with you so long now. That's all we know about Philip. Fox says that he labored diligent, diligently in uprasure and he, and he suffered martyrdom at Heliopolis. He was scourged, he was thrown into prison and afterwards crucified. The next one on the list is Bartholomew. Bartholomew, he's also known as Nathaniel. Interesting, you know, and again, every one of these people are different, and Jesus had different interactions with every one of them, and I think he, he has different interactions with you and I as well. We're all different, and he meets us on the level where we are and who we are. But Philip found Nathaniel, as I mentioned, he, and he told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about. This Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Come and see, said Philip. 
When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Nathanael said, How do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Here is the true Israelite. Jesus saw into the life of this man, Bartholomew, also known as Nathanael. He gave his life as well. It says that he was cruelly beaten and, and then crucified by the impatient idolaters. It says he translated the Gospel of Matthew into the language of India. How much do we ever think about this guy, Bartholomew? But he was one of the twelve. He was one of those people that Jesus had called. The next one on the list is Thomas. We, we all know Thomas, right? How do we know Thomas? How do we know him? Doubting. Doubting Thomas, yeah. He had this moniker, he had this nickname, Doubting Thomas. You know, Sons of Thunder, Doubting Thomas. Well, Jesus didn't call him Doubting Thomas, but we do. But that's how he was known, and I wonder how you and I are known. What kind of nickname do people have about us? But to be fair, he was involved with Jesus in other ways too that we find in, in the book of John. Jesus said to his disciples in John 11, he said, Lazarus is dead, speaking about Lazarus who had died. And he said, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, called Didymus, not called Doubting, but Didymus, he said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. He had that kind of zeal. Again, this is before the occurrence in John chapter 20 about his you know, doubting, but he did have this zeal, let us go, let's die for him. In John chapter 14, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered that famous verse that we all know, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it was, the, it was through the question of this guy Thomas that we have this verse. But in the end, he, he was, you know, he did have that time where he says, you know, I won't believe unless I see, unless I touch. But someone said that his doubts gave way to a, magni- a magnificent confession of Christ. And in the end, when Jesus came to him, and said, stop doubting and believe, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. doesn't matter how you get there, but you've got to get there to that place. My Lord and my God. says that he was preaching the gospel in Parthia in India, where he excited the rage of the pagan priests, and he was martyred by being thrust through with a spear. The next one in that pair is Matthew, the tax collector, the guy who wrote this book that we're looking at. He calls himself, notice there, he calls himself the tax collector. And tax collector is not a name that you would want to give yourself. Tax collectors were hated, despised. They were on a par with thieves and harlots. And yet, we've seen, and we see it even now, his life was transformed. He followed Jesus. His life was transformed doesn't matter what you've been, who you were. 
It matters who Jesus wants to make you. The Zondervan Encyclopedia says that he was an unlikely candidate, but he became the author of one of the greatest books ever written. Guided by the Holy Spirit, he furnished the church and the world with one of the most influential Christian documents the world has seen. Many, many people, there's still many, many places who have never heard about the Gospel of Matthew, but the Gospel of Matthew has had a great impact in the world. This guy, this tax collector, says that he was suffered martyrdom. He was slain with a halberd, which I had to look that up. It, it, it was a two-handed pole weapon consisting of an axe blade topped with a spike mounted on a long shaft. The next one in the list, nine. Number nine in the list is James, son of Alphaeus, also known as James the Younger. We know very, very little about him, but... He served as one of Jesus' followers, as an apostle, one of the twelve, James, son of Alphaeus. We, we, we really don't know anything about him. His name, that's all we know. And you know what? Most of us are in this category. Isn't it true? How many of us are going to be famous? We know, you know there's, there's some very well-known Christian leaders in the world you know, Billy Graham, people like that. Peter, the Apostle Peter. But most of us will never be well known. But James served faithfully. And that's what our call is to do. Serve faithfully, though nobody might ever know our names. But to serve faithfully. I read about the, uh, the tomb of the unknown soldier and and someone wrote this that in the kingdom of God there are many unknown soldiers they march right beside the well-known soldiers they do their part what they do is important without their work the famous would not be famous without them nothing would be accomplished the unknown soldier at the age of 94 it says that he was beat and stoned by the Jews and finally had his brains dashed out with a fuller's club James, son of Alphaeus. The next one, number 10, Thaddeus. We know very little about him. That The only thing we see in John chapter 14, he also had a, a name of Judas, but it says Judas, not Judas Iscariot. He said to Jesus, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him we will come to him and make our home with him. We see through this interaction with Jesus that those who love and obey him will see him. He suffered martyrdom for his faith. Number 11, Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot probably was, was a member of the Revolutionary Zealots. There was a group called the Revolutionary Zealots. This political party that that their whole goal was to overthrow the Roman Empire. But this this guy, Simon the Zealot, began to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I wonder that God used him in incredible ways that that you and I will never know about. That, that That zeal that he had for the revolutionary zealots, he then became zealous for Jesus Christ. And I think that's something for you and I to follow as an example, that you and I would be zealots. 
for Jesus Christ. In Romans 12, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And then finally, this guy Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. We know quite a bit about him too, don't we? Luke says he became a traitor. He's always last in the list. He was a treasurer for this group of apostles, but he was also a thief. He criticized Mary for her offering of perfume in, in John chapter 12. Why? Because he wanted the cash that it could bring. He was greedy. He was deceitful. He was jealous. He, it says in, in many places that he was influenced by Satan himself. And you say, you ask the question, didn't Jesus know about this guy? Judas Iscariot, didn't he know what you know, he was all about, what he would do? Yes, he did, but but, but some believe he was, he was actually giving him a chance. But in John 13, he says, you know what? He says, you'll be blessed if you do them in serving you after he, you know, after he washed the disciples' feet. He says, now that you know these things, you'll, you'll be blessed if you do them. He says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. He knew. Jesus knew completely. They had this time at the, uh, you know, sharing of the supper. It says, Jesus was troubled in spirit. He says, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them what he meant. And one of them, the, disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John wrote this, was reclining next to him. And Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. And leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And he dipped it into the dish. He gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. This guy... We know the rest of the story about Judas. He went out. He did have some kind of remorse, but uh, he, he never turned to Jesus Christ. He, he went out and hung himself in the end, committed suicide. Someone, someone wrote this, that Jesus viewed him as a potential follower and disciple. The Lord's foreknowledge does not imply foreordination that Judas must become the traitor, but you see that he never had a genuine relationship with Jesus. He called him rabbi, but he never called him Lord in the scripture. Makes me wonder, you know, you could be so close and yet so far. You could spend three years with Jesus as he did and yet not truly be surrendered and a follower of Jesus. We see he was replaced in Acts chapter 1 by Matthias, and then there's some question about maybe it should have really been the Apostle Paul to be that one. That's neither here nor there. But it says there in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out. These 12. Each one of them had had this encounter with Jesus. Each one of them had a story, some with a lot of information, some with hardly any information, but each one of them had a testimony to share. Each one of them was important. Each one of them, you know, was a part of God's plan. Peter the optimist and Thomas the pessimist. Simon the tax hater and Matthew the tax collector. 
and he brought all these guys together like this group of women we saw up here earlier and, and tried to and brought them together. That list, I think we could put some more lines down there and we could put our names in there. Say, no, I don't want to be included, but, but yes, he has included you and he has included me and he's put our name in the list. He's called each one of us. John Corson called these guys a ragtag bunch of renegades. Well, if he could use them, can he not use us? If he could use those people, those guys, can he not use you and me? Does he not have a calling? You've heard that phrase, and it's so true. It's, it's not ability that he's looking for. It's availability. Because he wants to work in our lives. Let's pray together, shall we? Before we have communion together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this list of men who came from all different kinds of places and had all different kinds of personalities, and, and yet you called them. We feel bad for one who never responded, who never opened his heart to you, this Judas, but the rest who, who wholeheartedly followed you and served you even to the point of giving up their lives. It says in the book of Revelation, those that defeated the enemy who, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even to the death. That these, they, they willingly gave their lives up for you because they knew that you were the way, the truth, and the life. There was no other way to get to the Father but through you. We come to the cross this morning, Lord, and again, we, we've already heard earlier that the cross is what keeps us together. And the cross is what keeps us with you. And so we come and again, we come and, and humble ourselves before that cross of wood and and we say, Lord, forgive us. Lord, cleanse us. Lord, wash us. We remember the cross. And as Paul said, to remember the cross until you return for us. Until you return. And we look forward to that blessed hope for your return. But, but in the meanwhile, we come anew and, 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 and again, we humble ourselves before this cross. The cross where you showed your love for the human race. Lord, thank you for what you've done. And Lord, may we, may we offer ourselves living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you, Lord, that we might follow you. We see the examples of these, that we might also be one of yours, one of your true followers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.